Just bought a chicken, bout to break it down the chicken tenders Black booming, I'm not human, my drop's zooming, my eyes booming One giant leap for mankind, I'm high's moving, how have you been? Hello, hockey fans, and welcome to episode two of the Chicken Tenders podcast with myself, Danny Thomas, and my co-host, Zach Lauren. We're here today with Eagle Falls' own former OHL player for the Peterborough Peets and the North Bay Battalion, Chad Denno. In the words of Lil Wayne, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you, Danny? Oh, I can't complain, man. Like, <laughs> been treating me all right outside of this lockdown again there. But <sighs> Yeah, that's, uh, maybe that's a story for another time. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely don't <laughs> want to talk about it. I'm sick of people talking about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, man. It's just insane. Let's leave at that. What were you asking earlier? Oh, yeah. So, chicken tenders. I want to hear the story behind that. Oh, it's a dumbass name. That's, That's all sure. you. All you, Daniel. <laughs> yeah, so we were just we were playing NHL one night, and literally the night before we decided to start the part, the podcast, and uh, we were like, oh, what could we name it? What were some of the other names that, that we came up with before I say why this is the name? Did we even have another name that we came up with? Oh, yeah, we legit couldn't come up with a name. I was like, oh, maybe we'll do like the Keep It Busy podcast or some shit. And I was like, no, that doesn't even make sense. <laughs> so we were thinking about like goalie names and shit like that. And I was just like, oh, what about like the chicken tenders? And we just laughed like really hard. <laughs> it wasn't, yeah. And then the next day, I messaged Laura and I was like, yo, check out this little Wayne song that has, he says chicken tenders in it. I'm like, that could be our intro. What? What little Wayne song is that? Uh, it's uh, Whit Me with T.I. Mm. And in the in his verse, he's like, just bought a chicken, about to break it down at chicken tenders. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, man. That's basically how the name came about. Yeah, and, and now and we're then... on it. <laughs> yeah, here we are. <laughs> But yeah, so we came up with the idea that like we'd pick like the chicken tender of the week and uh, which would technically be like the the worst goalie of the week or whatever. Okay. Uh, and since we're the chicken tenders, we were just terrible goaltenders. Uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of like making fun of ourselves, which allows us to make fun of someone else, I guess. Okay. Got you. Yeah. So what have you been up to? Oh, man, I actually just started a job at Home Hardware um, about two weeks ago now. So I, I've been busy with that, and I'm just finishing up online school, which has been, um, I guess, sum it up, pretty much hell in itself, <laughs> especially for someone who really needs that, like, physical, in-person type learning style, um, just that the whole staring at the computer screen for a couple hours a day just isn't really my uh, first choice, if you will. So it, it's, it's been a struggle, but I'm managing it, man. But, yeah, other than that, um, work, school, uh, playing guitar, and just working out. That's about it, man. Right on. I feel like there's a few questions I ask from that. How do you like working at home hardware? Um, dude, I like it a lot, man. Um, I'm doing different shit all the time, like whether it's driving the forklift around or like stuff I've never really done. Like this is my first job ever. Like hockey's always, you know, been my number one priority. And I've just had, I haven't had the time to pick up a job on the side or anything. So, um, you know, entering the workforce at 21, it was a little bit nervous on the first day. And <laughs> they threw me on the forklift, like right off the get go. But man, it was, <laughs> I, it was quick to learn. And it's, yeah, we got a good crew over there. That's yeah. Cool. 
You mentioned oh, playing God. guitar. How long have you been playing the guitar? Um, man, it's like I've I picked I first picked it up, and I was living in Sudbury at the time, and I believe I was in grade ten, and there was a one of the classes for first semester was guitar, and I was like, you know what, like fuck it, I'm gonna jump on that. Um, my family's a huge music family, um, right from my papara to all my uncles and stuff. So I've always admired watching them play and stuff. And um, I'm a huge music. Snapchat videos. Yeah, yeah. I'm a huge music fan myself, man. I, I don't know what I would do without it. So I said, you know, why not, like, pick up the family tradition and just start playing the guitar. And so, yeah, I, that's probably been about, like, four or five years now. But not consistently. Like, I, I took many breaks in between then. But um, the past two years, I've been going at it pretty consistently. Can you play any songs? Cool. Oh yeah. Yeah. What kind of song? What song? <laughs> hold up, hold up. Can you sing it? <laughs> no, no, I cannot sing, Danny. But it You think you could pull it off with auto tune? Uh possibly, man. If you get me in that studio, I don't know what's gonna come out, dude. So <laughs> when when is the Danny Thomas Chad Demo? <laughs> yeah, it might be coming. I'd say I don't know, may give it a year or two. Let me let me get my vocal cords prepped up and stuff and and good to go. But if you need if you need an extra guitar, man, I'd say two months and you'll have me on uh, performance ready. <laughs> yeah, see, I, I've never I've only recorded guitar like once, but I feel like I could pull it off. So if you ever want to do that, we could definitely. Oh do yeah, that. I would I would love to, man. And you're uh, my first choice, so keep that in mind. Oh yeah. Oh, we still got to go for that cruise. I'm gonna show you the album and. Uh... I don't know. I keep saying a week every week. So. <laughs> yeah. So when do you have an official date for done. that yet, or uh, to release yeah. the album? Uh, I was thinking May twenty. Well, it was originally May twenty fifth, which is my birthday. Okay. But uh, I think I'm gonna push it back just because I think I want to drop like just singles every three weeks for a bit, just to get the buzz going, and then drop okay. the album. But we'll yeah, see. Man. Yeah, well, anxiety's doing well right now, dude. Uh, it, it really is. It took me by surprise. Like, I mean, this is the first time I have like a full on marketing plan for a song. Right. So I can't say that I didn't expect it to do okay. Mm -hmm. But like the fact it's got like 2000 streams now in 13 days, which is definitely a record for me. Yeah, good shit, man. You've been grinding. You deserve it. That ah, feels good. <laughs> Thank you, though. Um, so a little bit of a somewhat hockey question for you. Uh, was hockey your dream or was it something you were just like naturally good at? So you rolled with it. Oh man, that's a tough question because honestly it was more the rolling thing because I personally never really watched it as a kid, man. I didn't have interest in, in watching it on TV. Like I cheered for the Leafs and stuff and you know, the, the room was decorated with the Leafs and that whole shebang. But um, as far as being an avid watcher of the sport, I wasn't. And I always just loved more so the physical part of the game and I always loved to work hard and I just like, I love to grind. I love doing that. Like just going over the top um, with my work ethic. So it honestly, I never even thought about like pushing um, hockey as a career, as a kid, it, it didn't cross my mind. Like I didn't even know what the OHL was until like the year before the draft, I would say. Um, yeah, oh, like shit. I was in, I think, Major Bantam when I figured out, like when I found out what the OHL was. 
and like all, all my teammates are around me they're like oh like what do you feel about the draft next year and like kid from miracle falls here i'm like you know what the hell is that you know like what do you mean like the espies like i'm going to play for them next year bro so did you know you were getting scouting um, so yeah within that year we ended up ho- like hosting the ohs and stuff so then that's where the buzz of the ohl really started and then I started, um, that's where I found out about it initially. So then, um, yeah, from there, I just decided that, okay, like, um, I guess I'm good enough to pursue this. And I decided to move to Sudbury after that for my draft year. I'm going to stop you real quick. What was it like moving to Sudbury that young? Man, it was, it was tough, dude. Um, and you got to think like I was probably 15 at the time and, um it hadn't like i said it wasn't really like a a dream if you will i guess you know i I love the sport and i love to work hard but then when it when i realized like there was potential in this and and for me to really like push on this um that was when i had the conversation with my parents and i was 15 years old at the time and um my, my dad was getting more into it and he was you know talking to coaches and stuff as well and um they really laid it out for me and they laid it out for me to make my own choice with it and um they didn't want to pressure me into anything because obviously my mom didn't want to let go of her baby that young um but but they left it on the table for me and like I, i respect them for doing that and i made the choice um by myself i was choosing between uh moving away to toronto or um staying more north in sudbury and um a guy named Damien Giroux at the time, he's, he's currently um, with the Iowa Wild. I had met him through um, summer hockey, and we just, you know, became good friends through that. And he's a, a Sudbury boy. And um, they were putting together this, like, minor midget AAA team at the time. And, like, it was there was a lot of buzz around this, our 2000 age group. So he was the one that really, like, pulled on my ropes to get me to go to Sudbury. And, um, yeah, so I just showed up at the trials and then, yeah, man, made the team and just decided Sudbury was my, my way. But, um, as far as your question, Zach, like how tough it was personally, um, it, it honestly was like more of a shock factor for the first like month. And then like it started to settle in like the homesickness and stuff and, um, just it was so different for me of course moving to a new school new family and just being so young at the time so yeah I struggled for months like months at a time there and then um but good thing I had such a great family like I said um uh, I don't know if I mentioned this but I ended up actually moving in with Damien and his family and they were just lovely man I honestly couldn't have asked for a better transition especially being a small town boy and then and moving into a city like that um, it wasn't the easiest thing. And Sudbury's kind of sketchy, right? I'm sure you didn't really, <laughs> it, but I'm sure you were aware. Uh, yes, yeah, definitely aware. Um, it's yeah, it's rough, like uh, in the city, inner city area for sure. Um, as far as the outskirts, yeah, I definitely not trying to shit on Sudbury <laughs> yeah, there, but <laughs> yeah. um, no, it's I, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll just end it right there, <laughs> but. As far as I, we lived, uh, it's called the Valley. So we were actually more out in the country. So it wasn't really, I wasn't really in the, the city of Sudbury. So I wasn't around that type of environment the whole time. 
Um, I actually had like a. Did it feel a little bit like home? Yeah, honestly, and and like I said, Damien Drew's family was so great to me at the time, and they had a nice outdoor rink in the back. And um, Zach Drew, actually, his younger brother, who's now playing for the Flint Firebirds. Um, yeah, man, we used to just rip that ODR like every other night, and it just made the time so good, man. Yeah, that's really cool. So, according to HockeyFights.com, you've been into four fights in the all. Who's the toughest guy you fought? And you ever feel like you got your ass kicked? And the first two, and yeah, they weren't the first two. Um, my first fight, I believe it was in my first year. And I remember, it's kind of crazy, actually, like the mode you go into on the ice when you're fighting. And, you know, people have talked about it and stuff. But, like, you, you don't really know until you're actually in it. And I just seen, I remember the play, so... We were in our end, and um, our assistant captain at the time, Alex Black, just got rammed from behind. And there was another, we were playing the Kingston Frontenacs at the time. And I, I, I honestly okay. couldn't tell you the guy's name, but he was a rookie at the time. He was my age. <laughs> and he just smoked Blackie from behind. And I just remember saying, Yeah, this is it. This is my time. I got to do it. I cannot just, <laughs> just let this happen, especially as a rookie at the time. I wasn't getting a lot of ice time, and I figured this is something, you know, show the boys I got their back. So I ended up dropping the gloves and just flying after this guy, and I honestly couldn't tell you what happened. Um, and you'd probably have to watch the hockey fight. I'd have to watch hockey fights myself to see what happened in that fight. Because the amount of adrenaline that pumps through your system at that time, you honestly just go into this like weird haze. And even after the fight for a good like 15 minutes, you're just off this like adrenaline high, I guess, if you will. Um, that you don't really remember all the specific details. <laughs> like your teammates kind of come up to you afterwards and, you know, let you know what happened and stuff. But yeah, that was my first fight experience. Um, but kind of just I honestly can not really tell you about the other three. I know I had one in Saginaw, which was, I believe, like the, my last fight. And I, <laughs> I don't remember the two in between then. <laughs> Fair enough. Does your wife need a little bit more meat in her life? Well, head on down to the mina and get yourself some sausages. Get yourself some meat to put on the barbecue. Get yourself some candy. Get yourself some midnight snacks. You can get it all at the Mina for good prices. Head over to the Mina. So Shane Wright entered the OHL last year, right? Uh, right, yeah. <laughs> did, did you have a chance to play against I him? I did, man. Um, he's he's unreal. <laughs> to put to put it as the simplest, man. It's you know you just some guys have it and at fifteen to be putting up the numbers and and goals even that he did to be like scoring in that league at that age is pretty incredible man um and he's going to be a player and he's going to be a player in the nhl as well yeah he's pretty highly touted yeah. right now like i mean uh, me and zach were talking about it earlier and he had more points than mcdavid in his exemption year so he had the same amount of points as mcdavid in their 15 year old seasons he played less games than mcdavid though yeah yeah that's why and, it, and it's crazy like, I remember watching McDavid play, mm -hmm. and you could just tell how advanced he was compared to everybody on the ice, just his hockey IQ, especially watching from the stands and not being on the ice. You could see, like, he was making a play to Connor Brown at the time, 
and Brown just couldn't keep up because he didn't really know what was yeah. coming. Um, I can't remember the kind of team that McDavid had around him at the time, but I can tell you about the Frontenacs in, in uh, that year when Shane Wright first began. They were one of the bottom teams in the league. And to be putting up those numbers, um, you know, when you're, you don't have the strongest team around you, like they were a really young team. Um, so in a couple of years, they're going to be great for sure. But to be putting up those numbers um, on, you know, a like bottom five team, I guess, is pretty incredible. And it just says a lot about his talent for sure. Most definitely. Yeah. Uh, he looks like a stud for sure. <laughs> yeah. Oh god, yeah. I can't remember who was uh, McDavid playing with at that time. I know they loaded up in the end, but I'm not sure who was there in his rookie year. You mentioned Connor Brown, but um, that was towards the tail yeah. end. Yeah. Can you like pinpoint any of the guys that got to the NHL that you played against? Um. Yeah. I Robert Thomas. Um. He actually oh, a year okay. later Same he ended list. up winning a Stanley Cup like fresh out of the London nights. Um, That's insane. Yeah. Um, who else? Well, one of my teammates, Nick Robertson, of course, he's with the Leafs now. Wait, were you there last year or was it just half the year? No. So I played two and a half years in Peterborough. Um, so I spent up till December of last season in Peterborough. Um, so he was there. Like Nick started when I, like when I made the team as a 17 year old, he was um, the Pete's first rounder as a 16-year-old. Um, okay. So, yeah, I spent about a year and a half, Nick, on the Pete's. No doubt. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Um, uh, so, Nick Robertson scored uh, 55 goals in 46 games uh, that last year that you were there with him. Well, for half the year or whatever. But that's pretty crazy. Yeah, man. Um all I can say is Nick's a really good player, of course. Um, but not only that, I've never seen somebody work so damn hard in my life. Like, I thought I worked hard. This guy is on another level. And That's what I was just going to say. Like, you just said how hard you work and stuff. So that, that means something, right? Dude, like, I would try and go seven days a week when I was pursuing hockey. Um, like, that's my number one priority. And the most times it was six days a week, like, of, of training and whatnot. This guy, man, I, I kid you not, like, he's a 365, like, year-round. Man, we could have been off a three-game road trip. Like, let's say we had a game Thursday, Friday, Saturday, like, three back-to-back. This guy, man, <laughs> this guy would literally rent another rink out in Peterborough. And go on the ice that Sunday and train out there by himself and then go to the gym afterwards and get a lift in at um, our training facility, which was called Hybrid at the time. So, Jeez. I mean, if that doesn't speak volumes like this, I can tell you this guy is he he's not only naturally gifted and talented, man, but he works insanely for it. And um, I mean. 55 goals is evidence of that and the opportunities he's getting nowadays is definitely evidence of that work too so yeah he's been putting up numbers in the uh, in the AHL as well yeah man I haven't I haven't really kept up with it but um, <laughs> I, I would not be surprised 
Yeah, he's over a point per game. And, like, just yeah. to compare it to something, like, Kadri's first year in the AHL didn't have a point per game. Mm, okay. Yeah, um, like, Nick's going to be one of those guys. He's he's not going to be your fourth line guy. He's he's going to be putting up numbers. So, I'm, I'm sure whenever the Leafs decide to get him up there, it's going to be in a, a third a third line spot, I'm sure, because he's just that type of guy. He's got an incredible shot. Some of the best hands I've seen. Like no, no word of a lie. <laughs> do you uh, do you cheer for anybody now, or are you just not that into it? Honestly, um, I can't say that I have a uh, a preferred team. And like I said, I was never one to actually watch a lot of hockey. Um, I am excited for the Leafs this year, though. However, I th- I think they have the most exciting team in the league this year, and like them adding key pieces like Joe Thornton, Wayne Simmons. I really like both those guys and I respect how they play. So um, that's, sure. that's the most exciting team for me right now, but I don't have uh, any favorites now. Um, Isn't it crazy to think that Joe Thornton was drafted before you even born? Yeah. Like he was drafted before I was born. Like, yeah. That's wild. So how many years is he on now in, in the right. NHL? This is his 24th year, I think, because he was drafted in 1997, first overall. Yep. And second pick after him was actually Patrick Marlowe. Yeah, it's kind of ironic. Both in the league, man. Both played together so long. Uh, Marlowe's about to break uh, Gordy Howe's record for games played, wow. which is wild because Howe played till he was almost 50, or he might even play till he was 50. So Played in five different decades, I believe. That's insane. That's like Yarmir Yager right now. Still killing it. <laughs> yeah, he could still be in the league too. Man. Oh, he's the GOAT. Like so he's like the social media GOAT. <laughs> the, <laughs> he, what was he, it? The the girl that he was with in bed there, the model, and she's like, Oh, I'm gonna post this up on the internet. He's like, I don't give a fuck. Literally. That's exactly what it was. He's, he's just yeah, got she's like, give me twenty five hundred bucks now. or I'm posting this. <laughs> he's like, I don't give a fuck. Damn, I've never heard about that situation. Just uh, switch off hockey really quick. Your birthday's coming up, though, eh? It is. It is. The big 21. It's going to be legal in the States. Yeah, unlocking the world, pretty much. <laughs> you got any plans for your birthday? Or? Um, No, man. Obviously, we can't Honestly, do too much. But... Not a whole lot, and I don't drink. So, 21, I guess, is just another number for me now. But, um, yeah, no. No plans. Probably just kick it with the friends. That's about it, man. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I've been in the same boat. I haven't done shit for my birthday since I turned, like, 17. (laughs) (laughs) I don't really care. Everybody makes a big deal about it. It's just just another number. How how old are you now, Danny? 27? If I had to guess. 28? (laughs) 28. I'm turning 29 in May. Okay. Yeah. Your boy's getting old. Yeah. No. (laughs) No, man. That's young. It's young. <laughs> Lots of life. It's bro. like it's like young old though. Like I'm I'm gonna be old right soon. Well, you're older than us, but you're not that old. Yeah. And Zach, you're twenty three now? Twenty three in August. Yeah. Yeah, man. A little bit crazy, sure eh? Once how. once you like breach those twenties, like how fucking flies. Like man. I, I, I know it's just a number, flies. but like Man, I, I swear, like, age 1 to 15 seems like the longest thing ever. And then after <laughs> that, it's just, like, a race car. 
seriously, man. 100%. And then you're like, whoa, I'm like in my 20s now. Like, I'm not a teenager anymore. Not that, it, not that it ever matters, man. But it's just, it's crazy to think about too much. Like, when you get caught thinking about it too much. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Dude, the last two years since I've been a dad, it flew by so fast. Like, your 20s fly by, but they fly by even faster when you become a father. It's crazy. Oh, yeah, man. Man, what's that? What was, what was some of, like the biggest eye-opening shit that that happened to you man when you had that child were you like when that thing entered the world were you like whoa this is actually insane like uh, i don't know tell well, me about it i like, want to know there's like a few moments right so like when jen found out she was pregnant i always thought like if a girl told me she was pregnant i wouldn't be like happy about it i'd be like terrified or just not wanting a kid right uh but when Jen told me, I was ecstatic. Like, I was so happy. I was happy to tell my parents. My dad was excited wow. right away. Uh, and then the, the whole birthing process was, like, the most amazing thing in the world. Literally, like, I don't think... <laughs> amazing, really? Oh, man. It, literally, like, nothing better. Like, it was such a fucking... I don't know. It's a miracle. Like, you can't come up with a better word for it than that. It's just... It's so perfect. Man, that's um, great to hear. But, yeah, being a dad has been definitely, like, the best thing that's ever happened to me. It it was, like, a mental thing, too, where I was just like, okay, I'm a dad now. I've really got to get my shit together. Mm-hmm. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm going to retire from music and I'm going to open a store and, like, you know, do something with my life that's actually going to bring in consistent income so I could provide for my family. But Right, right. <clears throat> so would you say there's, like, there's just no more excuses? It's just, like, you know, if I'm not going to do this for myself, I got to do it for this child now. Well, that's just it. It's just another reason to push harder. Yeah. Uh, well, the biggest reason to push harder. Uh, so, yeah, it's been motivating for sure. Mm. And I, I didn't think I'd ever get back to music. Like, I was fully, like, going to retire forever. But with the lockdown, that you know, happening again in December, I was like, eh, I might as well put my studio back together. And Jen was pushing me for a while to get back into music because she knows, you know, how, how passionate I was about it. And I'd always talk about it, like, yeah, it'd be nice to do it, but I didn't really have time with the store, the family, you know. Yeah, it's a lot, man, I'm sure. Like, I have no idea, but (laughs) hearing it from you, I trust your word, it's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot, yeah. But I mean, like, uh, now that everything's kind of balanced, like, the, the lockdown to me was a blessing. Like, I know it's, like, terrible for everybody else in the world, and I'm sorry for anybody going through shit, but it was definitely like a blessing in disguise for me. I got to actually get back into music, start this podcast, get the store organized a little bit better. And now uh, once everything's back to normal, it'll be like more balanced, which is like been my issue. Like my biggest issue my entire life was like finding a balance to like everything. Right. Right. Man, I kind of want to add to your thought there. And it's just because it's, it's like, a little bit contradicting for myself is as much as I absolutely hate and I do not consent with these mandations that are currently ongoing. Um, this pandemic has probably been one of the most eye-opening years of my life. And it was for the fact that it cut out a lot of my priorities in life, like hockey and stuff. And, you know, taking that away from me, I think was probably the best thing that could have happened for my own personal development. Um, it's just when you get on such a grind like that, I'm sure you can relate to that, Danny, like when you get so focused in on something, um, you, you start to, you know, 
kind of turn a blind eye to a lot of ongoing things and um it's kind of becomes like a coping a coping mechanism for dealing with all your issues and um so taking that away from me i kind of just had to sit with myself and be like okay well what am i without this and at that at that time i didn't like who i was and there was a lot of things i needed to change about myself and i'm very thankful for that of course it's just a shit experience and i wish it didn't have to be this way um but if there was one thing i just had to say thank you for it'd be just just the time to sit and reflect on my own personal being um without that constant push of normal life if you will and the pace that it travels at it was kind of a chance just to slow down and be like okay there's some things here that need to be dealt with i can't keep running from these things 100 percent. it's really cool to hear you have like such a positive outlook on it mm-hmm. i feel like more people could probably benefit from just looking at life a little bit more positively than uh just complaining about everything because like complaining doesn't do shit <laughs> no man it like, really doesn't <laughs> like it really doesn't like at the end of the day if you're complaining you're not doing shit and people that are complaining i don't know it's it's not for me it's, it's obstacles come your way and it's either you're gonna face them or you're gonna do something about it yeah man I, to me i feel like complaining is just a distraction from your own issues that are going on like things that you're trying to avoid like if you're just constantly finding things to complain about um, that seems to me like you're just, I guess, finding a scapegoat for, you know, underlying things within your own life. Well, that's just it. It's almost, it, you could compare it to like a vice. Yeah. Like that. Like exactly. Like a vice. It is a type 100%. of vice for sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd much rather complain than, yeah. you know, start doing hard drugs and shit, but like, <laughs> yeah, but, but like, as for, I, I'm, I'm just I'm not talking about like general complaining I'm like what well, we all complain for sure but it's when you're constantly like seeking out something to complain about that's when it, I would say it becomes a vice and just a complete distraction from from I don't know whatever it is that you don't want to which put the like attention lead to other problems too Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, if you're always complaining, nobody wants to be around somebody that's complaining 24-7. No, no, no. But no, it's cool to see that you got a positive outlook throughout the whole thing and that you learned something from it. And you're, like, very wise for your age. I feel like, like, a lot... I've always had, like, personally, like, when I was, like, 21, I had friends that were, like, much older than me because I felt like those were the only people I could relate to. And right. most of the people in my age group were just focused on things that I wasn't necessarily into. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like nothing against what they were into. It's just like, I always vibe with like older people. And I always got that from you when we started talking like years ago, it was kind of like a little bit of an old soul in there. Mm. Well, it's nice to hear from you, man. Um, yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, I guess just my upbringing. Um, honestly, I would contribute a lot of it to, I guess, just, um, more small town community values i've always uh I've, i would like consider myself someone who cares too much and that like <laughs> that's been its own problem for me is just like worrying about um people all of the time and um yeah because it, it's <laughs> that that at times can get a little much and it takes away from my own happiness so i kind of gauge that but 
I love people, man. I just, I've, that's it, man. I just, I try to move through love and I love people and I, I like people doing well. So try to be the best I can be for people. That's cool. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good trait to have. I can definitely see how it can be bad at times though. Yeah, man. Um, like I deal with my own anxiety. Like I don't know who doesn't deal with anxiety in this day and age, to be honest. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, I don't even think it was a, a word like it was a word, but I don't think it was like something that people even said out loud 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. No, I, I probably not, man. Um, and that's I'm really glad I was born in this time period, man, because I think we're really seeing a change in how we look at mental health and um, as an as an illness and not disregarding it because it is very subjective to the individual. Right. Um, well, I feel like like you're you're right a hundred percent, but at the same time, like I feel like technology kind of made us anxious because like you could just text somebody, you could just whatever. Like nobody even wants to call anymore because the availability of not having to talk to someone is there. So right. like you can get anxious over things like just regular ass shit that you wouldn't have maybe twenty five years ago because those were just things you had to do. Definitely, I there's I think. Um, social media and technology has been a double-edged sword for the flip side of that it has allowed us to communicate with communities that we wouldn't have been able to before so i think that's where it's created more of an open field for topics like mental health because we're getting multiple perspectives now feeding on this one issue and we can you know we can find commonalities with each other and be like oh okay um like say if anxiety was um a very shunned thing to talk about in your own community, but through technology, you can speak with someone who, I don't know, lives in Toronto per se, and their community is very open in it, and you can learn from them, and then you can create those connections via technology. But on the flip side of that is all the bullshit and distractions that come from it and create mental health issues in themselves. So that's why I kind of look at that look at that like a double-edged sword that's just it it's another thing where there's just positives there's negatives but it for me personally like technology i wouldn't even be where i'm at in life if it wasn't for technology i wouldn't have a music career right i don't think like because i wasn't ready to do shows up until like five years into making music so like at that point i don't think anybody would have heard me right right but yeah no it's a it's interesting yeah, like you said, man, it's it's got its pros and cons for sure. I think we just – what I think we need, though, is um, something that will teach younger generations more mindful use of social medias because it can be a very, very dark place. And I, I know younger generations are going to go through dark places in their own minds through shit that, you know, like um, BS – expectations that social yeah, media we don't, puts we don't on cuss people on this fucking podcast bro yeah <laughs> i don't know why I, I switched up the bullshit to bs after that i swore like 10 times <laughs> i just I had to keep a pg for this talk i guess um, no, for the kids <laughs> but yeah maybe it's that i was starting talking about younger generations and i subconsciously just went to bs instead um that's fine but um, no, I, I think there needs to be um, a more mindful approach taught within, I don't know, whether it's the schooling system or something, because it, like you said, man, it can be a very dark place. And 
um, it can be very harmful as well as it is good. Just sure. think about Instagram, for example. Like, it's not Instagram's good because, like you were saying, you can interact with people that you wouldn't be able to interact with, especially on things that you're like you're interested in. Like, there's hockey pages, there's pages for everything, right? But then you have it's probably not as bad for guys, obviously, but for girls, you get girls on models on there that are photoshopped and full of everything and then you have 10 12 year old girls that are like oh i'm supposed to look like that but that's not realistic and that that harms them just as much as even comments would oh definitely man i think it's yeah for both guys and girls um this the beauty standards and just standards in general are just set to such a false expectation on social media like you're only seeing the highlights. Like, when do you ever post a shitty photo of you? Like, yeah, exactly. For the most part, the majority. Like, you're always 100%. posting the best, the best angle. You know, the best lighting, whatever it is. Um, yeah. That's the majority. So it's it's really a very skewed vision of what is actually going on in that person's life, and that's where like the disconnection happens, and a lot of the issues arise from, for sure. We live in a weird time. It's a very weird time, man. Who would have knew we would have lived through like some kind of pandemic like this and all the other craziness yeah. that we have, really? Well, it's just like I grew up in the 90s where like you didn't hang out with your friends unless you biked over to their house and knocked on their door. Whereas, yeah, like, exactly. you know, I have four kids at home and there's, well, I guess because of the pandemic now, but even prior to the pandemic, you don't see kids showing up on bikes and knocking on the door and being like, hey, can we <laughs> hang out? Like, yeah. that's not a thing anymore. It's weird. You got to call first or you got to text first or make plans or whatever. But like, I never had plans as a kid. It was just like, go to my friend's house and see if they're there. If not, move on to the next friend. And and it wasn't like a planned (laughs) thing. Like we'd end up with 20 kids playing street hockey, but nobody even knew until they seen us outside because everybody was outside. Yeah. And like legit, we'd have the entire street, like kids from like eight years old to 16 years old, just rocking out playing hockey. And I feel like you don't see that nowadays. Like, when I see a street hockey game, I'm like, yes, like, it's cool that it's still happening. But yeah, back in the day, it was like all the time. And like, there was probably two or three going on at the same time in town. Right, man. Um, yeah, it's, there's, I, I can relate to that, man. I definitely don't see as many kids outside these days. Everybody's got an iPad. Phones. Yeah. Like, I get it. It's cool and shit, but like, spend some time outside. But I feel like that's why I like, like, my generation i guess the tail end towards where you were born and stuff but we were born or at least i was before the internet was like big so it was like we had to find stuff to do yeah we had game boys but like that was like something we did on our spare time or like a rainy day right right but outside of that yeah we were just busy and doing stuff man i i feel like i would like to go back to a time like that as much as i love like um the benefits of technology I, I, it's hard to get away from all the negatives and sometimes you just gotta like really put them like i don't know delete the app i've done that many times just taking breaks from it and stuff but it's definitely a simpler time for sure um, it would be amazing to go back to that kind of a time even for just like a day just go back to the time when we were kids when there's no problems to worry about there's nothing no responsibilities just yeah go outside and run around with your friends what a dream what a dream world that is eh as a child i can't even remember not having a phone in my pocket 
Yeah. Like I can't remember a time where I don't have my phone in my pocket at all times and like checking it. I'm bad, dude. I check my phone at least every 30 minutes, at least. Yeah. And it is what it is. Like if it wasn't for social media and all this shit, I'm going to bleep this out, but we wouldn't have our next guest on week three or four or five, whatever it is. Like, which is really freaking cool. Yeah. (laughs) It's yeah. Like it's like we talked about earlier. It's the good and bad of both. Right. You just kind of find the balance. Like you said, social media very much is a double-edged sword. There's Mm -hmm. so many pros to it, but there's so many cons to it at the same time. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's about you being able to find the pros and avoiding the cons, basically. Yeah. It's balance, man. Balance is so important in life. I oh, agree. Absolutely. Like, if anything, like, yeah, if you can't balance anything out, you're either going to end up with, like, mental health issues or end up with, like, drug problems or whatever because you're stressed out because you're dealing with too much or taking too much on or you're paying too much attention to stuff that's set online. or It's just like, yeah, you just need to learn to balance everything and, you know, figure out what works for you yeah definitely man um i've been because i've been to that like um place where you're just working way too hard and you reach a burnout and it's just balance is the key that's missing to those things Yep. see and i I have this personality where when i get into something i really get into it yeah so like when it was music it was like full-blown you know music for like 10 years but like when we got into this podcast like within 24 hours we had guests ready for the entire season one, just cause like I'm go, go, go. I want to make sure that shit is going good and right. And I don't know if it's the proper way to, you know, handle things or do things. But when, when I, when I put my mind to something, I'm fully in it. Like there's nothing else that's that I care about. I'm just focused on the thing I'm working on, you know? Yeah, man. I hear you. Yeah. I'm pretty sure we're up to like 45 minutes now with what we've done. Okay. But yeah, it flows like that, right? Like we, uh, it it just goes. Like once you start talking, it's just like, oh shit, an hour went by. Yeah, especially when you're just getting into a conversation that we're just feeding back and forth, and you don't even re- like you don't even realize how fast it goes. Um, yeah, you're you're very well spoken. I wasn't sure absolutely. what to expect for the. Thanks, man. Yeah, very well spoken. <laughs> I, I was getting, I got chills while you were talking about the fucking like. <laughs> Literally, what we were just having. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> no, because like I was a little bit nervous about having a guest. Like talking to Zach is easy; we do it every day. Mm-hmm. But like bringing somebody into the convo was like the questionable part. Like, are we going to be able to hold a conversation? It also helps that like we can just say five words and then you talk for three minutes, which is perfect. Yeah, yeah. That's, exa- that's exactly what you want from a guest on a podcast. I've been saying for the last like week too, though, like I wasn't nervous about doing this one because I've known you my whole life, basically. I've known you since you were a little, little kid. Oh, yeah, man. It's other Back to saying answers. Fuck, even before that? Yeah. I've known you since you were like two-ish. True, I guess. Well, you would know better. <laughs> there was a fucking, uh, when me and, when we got our dog in 04 from your dad. Oh, I remember right, right. there was one time we went and visited and we were just kind of running around you and your brother outside me you and your brother were just running around fucking around basically yeah I, I imagine there's yeah man we've had we actually got some puppies on the way right now oh, two God. letters but is that dog still around or no he passed away a couple years back now yeah uh, like uh, how what old kind of dogs he got coming right now 
We got labs. Purebred? Um, yeah, they're purebred. But uh, there's a mix. I believe there's... Uh, I couldn't give you the numbers, but there's all three colors. Chocolates, yellows, and blacks in there. And there, there's two letters. We just happened to have two of them pregnant at the same time. One was spontaneous. So we actually don't know how that happened. But the other one was planned. But yeah. What are you guys charging for a dog? Honestly, I couldn't give you the real number right now. I just know they're all sold. Already, eh? Holy shit. Yeah, man. It's like they're not even born yet, and they're usually all sold. Well, fuck, those dogs are so I was going to plug. I was going to plug it right here, but I mean, if they're all Yeah, yeah no, no, no. Thanks, bro. But yeah, they're all sold. I don't know how much they are either. <laughs> but... Fair enough. Uh, do you have dogs at home? Obviously. Myself? Yeah. Yeah, like I, I got a little chihuahua that stays inside all the time. Her name's Nella. And she's like one of my best friends. Oh, dogs are the best. <laughs> Dude, I, yeah, man. I don't know how people grow up and they just don't get dogs eventually. Like, they just make the mundane so much better, if you know what I mean. I, I don't understand how somebody could see a dog and not be like, oh, you're so cute. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, see a dog and it's like instantly I'm a kid again. Like, yeah. Like, fuck, man. You get home and the thing just wants to love you. Like, what? When do you ever yo, find anything like that? I have an insane like story that? about a dog. Yeah. Shoot, man. So, like, it's super mean and, like, obviously I don't condone anything like this, but it's crazy. It just shows a dog's loyalty. So, I had heard a story about a guy in town. I don't even know the name or anything and I'm not going to try and speculate but apparently this guy tossed his dog off the trestle oh my god dude terrible right brutal absolutely brutal but this dog survived and ran back home and was happy to see him what that's dogs though man dogs love fuck that guy dude but that'll show you the loyalty right there of your dog you could throw that fucking thing off a bridge and it's coming back dude are you kidding me that's crazy dude that man does not deserve that dog i wish that dog knew how to burn a house down 100%. 100%. Fuck, man. Jesus. 100%. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you got any more questions, Zach? I have a couple. First one is, you mentioned earlier you're finishing up your school. What are you going to school for? So, man, um, I actually started in physical and health education. And I don't know. I probably got like... Past December through it, honestly, I entering January, I was still in the program and I just, it wasn't for me, man. I wasn't satisfied with it. Um, I guess it was just too like cookie cutter for me um, in the sense that it was more about remembering like anatomical terms and stuff. And I wasn't really like applying it to larger things. Um, and what I mean by that is like, I found out that I was just really more interested in um, anthropology, and that's what I'll be going in next year. Um, I'll be switching my program and going into anthropology. But, like, with anthropology, it just – you get to apply um, a larger variety of, like, theories and social issues and environmental issues all together, and it's it's not so – like for lack of better words, cookie cutter in the sense that um, what I was learning in physical and health education was just like strictly remembering terms and, you know, bones of the body and stuff and 
for me, like having just to remember terms is very hard when I cannot like connect it to a larger um, thing, like a theory. Like with a theory, I can apply it to many different things. I can connect it to social issues and I can see how that theory is unfolding within a society. And like for me, that's how my brain works. Like I'm able to like understand it and I'm able to like, it's just really interesting to me. Like those type of um, that type of thinking um, is what I enjoy. And those are the problems that I like to take on. Um, So, yeah. Anyways, just to, to sum it up, I just it wasn't enough for me. It was not fulfilling me. So I was initially debating between anthropology and physical and health education and um i just i wasn't aware at the time you know you don't know until you know yeah so getting that experience and i'm glad i discovered it early because i really debated it for a while if i wanted to drop it or not and you know having put in all the work you do for however many months but i said you know if if i'm not enjoying this now and i'm probably not going to enjoy it a couple years down the line and it's better to just put it aside now, switch it over while I'm still fresh and early into university and, you know, do something that I love and that I actually feel a connection with. And um, I'm actually, I actually ended up taking an anthropology class for the second semester, just, just to dip my toes in it to see if I was, um, if I would enjoy it. Cause like I said, I was still on the fence. Um, so I ended up dropping all the physical and health education courses. And now I'm just, um, doing my anthropology course and I'm actually uh, I just finished a paper on the history of Yerkwa Falls and that was super interesting man like so much that it, I didn't know about our region oh man like there's just like if I had to go back in the past like 200 years here I just I didn't know how uh, how much that First Nations communities were involved within this land specifically and um, just when the colonization of the Europeans started to settle in here around the time of like 1890s, when they started putting it, like started surveying the land for the hydroelectric dams and um, for logging at the mill. Um, Frank Anson was actually the guy, he heard of the porcupine gold rush and then he ended up coming down to Iroquois Falls um, because when he got to Porcupine, all the land had been staked. So he ended up paddling up the Abitibi River and um, he just got the idea of starting a forestry industry. And by 1909, they got the plans going and then he named Yerko Falls Ansonville and the mill started up. And um, yeah, man, that's, <laughs> that's what built our settlement. But like, I was unaware that Monteith was a friggin' correctional center for German prisoners of war yeah. in the Second World War. That was insane to me. Um, and I didn't realize, like, Val Gagne in 1916 com- was called Nushka, and it had completely burnt to the ground in the Great Matheson Fire. And um, his name is Wilfred Gagne. He was a priest there at the time, and he was actually taking his, a train back into... Um, uh, Nushka at the time and he realized all the fires and he like ran into Nushka and um, started bringing people back to the train and like saving these individuals who on this enclosing fire um, unfortunately the place ended up burning anyways but 
um, for his like heroic actions, they named Val Gagne after him, and that's why it is what it is today. And just little know. things like that, man. I've never really connected the dots between how we got here. I've never thought about it. And to go back and realize, like, man, there's just so much that happened before we were even conscious of it. Like, it's just things you don't really yeah. think about that was really, really interesting. I love learning about, especially learning about my hometown. Fair. Well, like, my parents' neighbor, like, at my parents' house, uh, he's, like, 85. So, like, every once in a while, he'll break out, like, a story from, like, you know, the 1940s or 1950s in town. And it's just, yeah. like, so much has changed. So much has changed. Even oh, from then, like, big so time. I can just imagine going back 200 years, like, Big time, man. Can you think of our like small Iroquois Falls being like three separate towns at one time? Like, yeah, between... that's, inc- <laughs> that's crazy. But, yeah, it was Ansonville, it was Mont Rock, and then and Iroquois, Falls. Iroquois Falls was like a little, little section. Yep. Um, but man, <laughs> my buddy actually, like, he contributed to my research paper. He actually told me a story about how the name Iroquois Falls came about. I don't know if you guys ever heard that tale before. I don't know it, no. I think Miss White told us that at St. Anne's when we were younger. Really? I think, I, if I like, tell the story and I'll tell you after it if it's what I'm thinking. So, so the tale goes that, um, so at the time, there was the beaver wars that were ongoing, which was basically the Iroquois and the English and Dutch fighting against the Algonquin tribe and the French. So, the Iroquois had a trade, a fur trade agreement with the um, Dutch and the English at the time, and the Algonquins had a fur trade with the French. Um, but the Iroquois at the time were getting really greedy, and they had like depleted their land of beavers, so they started um, expanding outwards, and that's when they like invaded um, the Algonquins at the Ottawa Valley. And they made their way down the Ottawa River, and they actually, that the Ottawa River connects to the Abitibi River. And through Abitibi Lake, they came in, um, they found what was the um, Wagashig community at the time. And, um, well, it was, it's called the Wagashig community at, right now, but at the time it was a mixture of Algonquin, uh, Ojibwe, and Cree um, descendants. And basically the story goes that the Iroquois captured um, some of this Algonquin, Ojibwe and Cree tribe. And they started, um, sorry, I'm missing a detail here. So they captured them and requested that they show them the way to James Bay. And we connect, like the Abitibi River connects to James Bay through Moose River. But you guys are aware of the black river that goes to Matheson. And yep. at the time the, um, the Algonquin Cree and Ojibwe tribe had tricked the Iroquois into thinking that they were going to James Bay, but they actually diverted onto the black river. And at the time, um, I believe it was somewhere near twin falls. There's a huge waterfall there. Yep. And, and at the last minute they had jumped and fled the canoe and led um, the Iroquois right off the falls and oh, after that they established that as the place where Iroquois falls and I don't know how it stuck afterwards I don't know why we decided to change the actual town name to that but that's that's the myth and the tale I've heard from from the origins of that name 
That's wild. So I've heard the tail end of it where they went off the falls, basically. Yeah. 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 But it's just it's just so interesting, man. Like the fact that our town is literally named after that event and man, I wasn't even aware that there was First Nations communities occupying this place at the time. That's, that's like that's like terrorism before fucking bombs and shit. Like that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but they're protecting themselves. I guess it's um they had to do it. But all terror and love and war. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know about that. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a lot. Yeah. So the Iroquois fell. The Iroquois fell, man. And now Jeez. we're just here. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, could you imagine something like that happening, like, nowadays? Oh, no. I mean, they'd, they'd be behind bars. Oh, 100%. It's, it's just crazy <laughs> how... Like, that's not that far back, like 200 years or whatever. That's not that far back. No, not at all, man. And that's like history, like in general, like all the major events that have happened are really not that long ago, but it just seems like lifetimes ago. Um, But yeah, I just feel like as a modern world, we're very disconnected from a lot of our roots and we just don't know these things. Yeah, no, I'm totally like... I only learn stuff I want to learn. So when I was younger, I didn't listen to anything. So I have no idea about any of this stuff. But it's like Mm -hmm. fascinating to me now. Like when I was a kid, I didn't care about anything. So, but you know, growing up a lot, (laughs) the the history is definitely like appealing to me. That's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, man. I've I've always had a hunch for it. I love that stuff. Oh, history is a great subject. Yeah, it's just I just really like connecting the dots like being like oh okay that's how we got here or like if we see an ongoing problem you know like how has this issue developed over the years like what are the puzzle pieces that made this a thing because there's always so much more to the story than what we're seeing at face value so i really like picking apart things like that and really dissecting them to see like the root of of you know what we see in front of us now for sure. Oh man, yeah, th- this combo is pretty great. I didn't expect, you know, a hockey interview to turn into such like <laughs> actual conversation. That's so it makes Yo. it makes the podcast so much better. Man, I but barely I mean, like, talk about hockey, bro. <laughs> oh, that's fair. But that's exactly it's like you're like the perfect guest, dude. Because like we don't only want to talk about hockey. Like we are planning on having like artists and stuff on here too. It's just it's kind of like a place where hockey is the reason why we have guests. Yeah, man. But you know, to have a real conversation, it's it's really cool. Yeah, and man, like I can I can bring you guys through my own like difficult experience with the game as well, and um, it's taught me a lot. It really has, man. Um, like both good and bad. And yeah. like I just a want to say something right too. quick. Yeah. I want to, the fact that, okay, so, you know, hockey didn't necessarily work out for you, but mm-hmm. I feel like it was, it's a hundred percent meant to be because the person that you are, I feel like you could bring a lot more to the world, not playing hockey than playing hockey. <laughs> just because like, you're like, just listening to this conversation, especially for your generation. Like you said, you're, you're turning 21 in a few days or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're just like a shining light in comparison to a lot of the, the shit that's going on in life. And I, I do think that you're going to, you know, maybe not change the world, but you're going to, you're going to bring a lot of good to it. Yeah, man. I hope is, so. Is that's, that's, that's my goal. And 
Um, like what you said right there um, about hockey and as far as like bringing more to the world, I would agree with that statement and like not to downplay the game or anything. And it's just, but for me personally, um, the game only adds a certain value to my life that really isn't like, it's not going to be the total fulfill- fulfillment for me. It is a piece of my life. And this is something I realized. This was one of my realizations over the past um, year that I do love the game. Don't get me wrong. I, I love the physicalness of it. I love the sport. But there isn't a depth beyond that. There's not, there's not issues to be solved within this sport. I can play it for 40 years and get nowhere as far as helping the people around me. I mean, other than, you know, the financial benefits that come with um, playing at a high level and stuff, like, sure, but I don't really care a whole lot about that, to be honest. I care more okay. about, like, what I'm doing for people. And it's like, okay, yeah, you can argue that I entertain people by playing hockey and stuff, but it's a commitment. It is, I'm literally committing my whole life to what? Just, like, strictly entertaining somebody? <laughs> it's just not the life I want to live, to be honest. I'm going to play the game and I'm going to love it, but... I need so many other pieces to my own puzzle to actually like make this a fulfilling journey for me. And That's hockey's really cool. one piece of that. It's just one piece. You know what and... though? I think that the fact that you did play hockey and you got to where you got to in the end, like whatever you do in life will probably help you out. Like just as to like even job opportunities, the fact that you got to that point, we do live in Canada. So like you probably have the advantage over like, somebody who didn't play in the ohl because they're gonna look at you that way you know what i mean Hmm. yeah maybe man and uh, like i hope i made some some good connections on along the way that'll provide me with opportunities and stuff um well the fact that you're you're so well spoken you're a good dude uh, tied into everything else like the hockey thing isn't i feel like it's not necessarily well it's not you you know what i mean like you're you Hmm. but like it it just adds to it and Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think you got like a crazy bright future ahead of you. Just the, the way you speak, the way that you're, you know, your dedication to things and stuff. I think, I don't know. I believe in you. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> have you ever, man. Have you ever thought about teaching? Oh, Zach, man. This is the thing, bro. Like I have in ways, but not like formal teaching. I just cannot. Um, like if I wanted to teach something, I would want to do it my way. And I want to teach the things that I want to teach. Like I, I, I don't want to not be like a school like, like a school elementary teacher. Or anything, um, no, not what about in a more like uh, like open world type teaching, like where like in a university or like a a college where it's not necessarily like you have to follow a curriculum. You're just teaching stuff. Um. Yeah, man. I haven't put like extreme depth thought into it but something that would provide me with more of an open platform and a platform to to really let my own um experience shine through rather than the experience of a textbook then yeah okay so so you want a job here at the podcast all right we got you (laughs) yeah yeah. so anything yeah anything from like chicken tenders podcast to you know i don't know professor at a university like 
something in between there would be ideal. <laughs> well, I thought yeah, about it. I feel like I feel like chicken tennis <laughs> podcast is definitely a, yeah. a good spot to stay. <laughs> well, I, I got the most experience in that field right now, so it's it's kind of leaning that way if if that's how you want to look at it. <laughs> uh, but um yeah honestly i i'm not too fixated on like a solid solid career right now i'm just kind of going with the flow i guess and i've always been that way though because when i get too much thinking involved into things it really um it kind of like handcuffs me in the present moment and it takes away from a lot of what I can do if I'm too busy thinking about things or worrying about, you know, oh, that's such a having set expectations, have. I think is just the killer to like all of like the value within what you can create in the present moment. Because when you're so fixated on this ideal structure, it's, you're never going to get that like organic beauty that comes from just going with that gut feeling and really like leaning into that. Like, I'm sure you experienced that with song making, like, like, like writing songs. Like I'm sure it's just a feeling at first and then you lean into it and it becomes something great. Like I know we were having this conversation the other day, Danny, about like you comparing, uh, comparing your previous album to this one. And, you know, you really produce some of your, what you say is your best work right now within like two months. And your your previous project you worked on for four years. Well, so see, it's like a, I don't know how to word it. Like basically, like towards the tail end of when I was making music, like four years ago, mm-hmm. I felt like I was making music that wasn't it wasn't fun anymore because I was trying to make money. Mm-hmm. And and you uh, were thinking about making money a lot. I bet a hundred percent, which takes yeah. away from everything. So like. When I got into this mode, it was like, oh, so I have money now because I actually have a, like a, a career, I guess you could yeah. say, like with my business and stuff. So it was like money isn't an issue. I could just create what I want to create. And it just so happened to be in like, yeah, in my opinion, the best body of work I've ever put together. Yeah, man. And and like what from what you're saying right now, it just sounds like you started making for you, not for something else. Uh, that's just it. I don't give a fuck who likes this project, who just <laughs> likes this project. I don't care if it gets luckily it's doing very well so yeah. far. But like if it didn't do well, it doesn't matter because like I'm not relying on this. It's it's this is a me project. Yeah, man. And I can tell you right now, no matter what, you created great music. And just because, you know, let's say it doesn't get what you wanted or expected like what your ego expected for views and stuff that doesn't take away from the value of what you created whatsoever and um you know as much as society pushes that type of thinking and you know trying to be successful and getting the numbers and blah 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 all that bullshit like what really matters is what you genuinely feel about what you made and if you're proud of that dude it ends right there and that's all that matters 100 percent. it just felt good to make like yeah. I, I had an epiphany, not an epiphany, like a, a, a moment of clarity, I guess, while I was making the project, because I was originally going to make like a rap project, like just back to my old roots and do what I was doing before. And then okay. I got into making the song with uh, Leo IV, the anxiety song that's out right now on Spotify. On, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I got into making the song. And when I was doing the chorus, I hit it, which like I didn't know that I could even sing a little bit. So 
when I started doing the song and I hit the chorus, I cried. It was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this is like a dream come true. Because, like, when I was when I was 10 to, I don't know, 14, all I listened to was punk rock. Like, whether it was, like, Blink-182 or Sum yeah. 41, Offspring, like, all these guys. That's all I listened to. And as a kid, I always wanted to start a band. I mean, I'm right. 29. I'm not going to start a band. But the fact that I can hit, you know, these notes and actually make this style of music that I've always wanted to make, it was just... It, it was so cool. Yeah, man. And, like, I'm sure that started just by going with your gut feeling, right? A hundred percent. Yeah, man. I mean, it really did. Anxiety I wrote while I was taking a shit, so I definitely had a gut feeling. <laughs> it literally just came right out of yeah. It did. <laughs> literally. hundred percent. I just Fuck, took a big man. shit in the studio. Man. Dude, right on, man. I'm so happy. Dude, that makes the song so much better, to be honest. <laughs> I was mad anxious on that toilet. Yeah, dude, whatever. I was sweating awesome. bullets. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit, man, that's good. <laughs> uh, hey, man, I'm good when you guys are good. Hockey related question. We can cut this if you want, though. Because it will okay. be. Keep going. I'll cut what I just said out. Yeah, this is slightly controversial, though, this question. Ooh, okay. Hit me with it. Ryan Merkley. Okay. He fell to 21 his draft year based off of reports that this kid has a terrible attitude. You played mm-hmm. with him in Peterborough. Yeah. Does this kid actually have that bad of an attitude? No. No? I didn't no. think so. And I'll tell you this. Um, it's Hockey's got a weird culture. And like a simplest form, it's got a really weird, like high class standard, I guess. Like, in comparison with other sports, and you could see it within, you know, our, our dress codes when you compare, like, the NHL to the NBA. Um, there's a lot more freedom of expression within a league like the NBA than there is in the NHL. Um, and this weeds down through all hockey leagues. But, so, for Ryan, at, like, as a teammate to Ryan, and, you know, I spent a lot of time hanging out with him and stuff. He was a good guy, and he was a great teammate, dude. And he cared about his teammates, man. He was the guy, if we went out to a bar or something, um, he would buy everybody drinks, like everyone. And he was just, like, overly generous in that field. But that's not what made him a good teammate. Like, he was just just good to the guys, man. He was, a, he was fun to be around. The problem with what the issues that came from him is just he was confident in his ability. Like he was just so, so he's got so much confidence in his own ability that coaches just didn't like it. And it really conflicted with what they wanted him to do when he wanted to do something else. And of course, you know, on a team structure, it's that, that can cause some issues and, you know, it all comes down to the, the coach player relationship, but, he is not the guy that the media and, you know, whoever blasts him online says he is to be. And um, I just don't think the hockey world gets enough insight on who players actually are on like a surface level. You know, we could see interviews and shit, but interviews are so like, staged. Uh, they're so and media trained, man. So, the answers are always the same. It is the same. It's cookie cutter because they, they ask the same questions and they're not personal at all. It's just the same bullshit over and over. 
And that's why you, they all need to come to the chicken tenders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't learn much about a person through that stuff. And, um, you know, it's easy for everyone to point their fingers at Ryan Merkley. But as a teammate to him, I can tell you he was a good guy. And he is not the person that was portrayed in media and, you know, whatever other sources want to throw shit at him. I figured, okay. I figured as much It's just, I wanted to get a, like the opinion or the insight from somebody that played with him. Yeah. And that's, that's like, I was looking into like Josh Hostang's story, like earlier, uh, like I was just going to bring him up like a month or two ago. And I just think the hockey, this is what I mean about the hockey world. Like, a guy with that potential, okay, yes, he's had his mishaps where he showed up late, okay, whatever. It happens. Like, man, it happens, dude. I've, like, we were on a road trip one time. We had to pull over on the 401 because our one of our teammates had slept in, and he had, he had got a ride right up to the 401. We pulled the bus over, picked him up. We went to the game. Okay, he got scratched, whatever, but he continued to play. But for the New York Islanders, just to release him and then the entire league blacklist him and not even give him a sniff just says a lot about the connections and the standard that the hockey world holds up. And I don't think it's fair at all. I've heard this from other players as well. Yeah, and like I don't know Josh um, personally, but uh, my teammate played with him for many years in Niagara and he said he was <laughs> one of the best teammates he's had and I I really trust this teammate's word honestly and um yeah I I just think there's a huge misunderstanding when it comes to players like that and just because their relationship with the coach isn't great doesn't mean that they're terrible people and that they shouldn't be playing in the positions they are in it's at the end of the day it's about how you're playing the game Hundred percent, yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so, yeah, that's that's my insight. Oh, we appreciate it. We Absolutely. appreciate you being on. This oh, has been a great yeah, conversation. No, I thank you guys, man, dude. It's Zach. It was great to hear from you, man. I haven't seen you in a little while, and hopefully, we can get together with Danny and you know bump that album, man. Absolutely, we could definitely do that. Yeah, anxiety out now. Go check it out, Spotify. <laughs>